Road to Shalom. This is a podcast channel dedicated to creating modern space for an ancient concept. You know, Shalom is the Hebrew word for everything being the way it's supposed to be. People, relationships, nature, values, and virtues. And we spent the last seven weeks on this road, talking about identity, purpose, mission, personhood, progress. You know, it's been a pretty wide road, even though it's so far it's been a rather short one. So what's on the agenda? Uh, Well, today we're going to do a little off-roading, actually. I've titled this episode, Cigars, Cell Phones, and Civility. Now, you creative types already have your minds rolling. So if you're driving, listen to me. (laughs) If you're driving, stay focused on the road. You're probably going to do a little laughing, a few, hmm, and maybe even get a little angry. That's all, that's all good. That's all, that's all good. Okay. Here we go. Off into the weeds. You probably don't know it, but I was a classroom teacher for nearly 25 years. You know, I think in terms of handouts and assessments, quizzes and stuff like that, it's part of my DNA. And I've told people that there will probably be handouts at my funeral, a quiz too, (laughs) who knows. Anyway, we're going to start off this episode with a quiz. It's short, but it's a pass-fail. There's no participation trophies if you've been getting used to those as you've grown up. You have to give honest answers, not the acceptable answers. I mean, if Jesus was standing right next to you, which he is, by the way, what would you say when it came to these quizzes? Okay, first question. I want you to picture yourself at a nice restaurant with someone, maybe a date, a business meeting or whatever, you know, that sort of thing. Okay, you got the scene kind of in your head? Okay, now picture this. You're talking quietly, and you happen to notice the guy in the booth right next to you lights up a cigar. I mean, we're talking a real cigar here. We're not talking East Coast rollers or even Cubans. This thing's a Gurkha Black Dragon. They sell for $23,000 a box. Seriously, I'm not joking. That's twice what I paid for my Scion XB. Anyway... This guy lights up and the smoke starts to waft your way and pretty soon it's filled the whole dining area where you're sitting, all right? And of course, you are in the U.S., so it's a non-smoking restaurant. So here's the question. Here's the question. What are you going to do? This is multiple choice, by the way. I forgot to tell you that. What are you going to do? A, nothing because the cigar is so expensive. B, ask him nicely if he'd mind putting it out. C, walk over and stuff that stinking thing in his IPA or D ask to speak to the manager. Okay. Got your answer. Okay. Hang on to that. Second question. This is a two question quiz, right? Pass fail. Second, second question, same restaurant. All right. You're back to talking quietly and I'm going to play two sounds for you here in a second. And I want you to imagine that you hear each of them coming from the booth directly behind you. Got it? Two sounds, same environment, you're sitting there talking, and you hear this sound. Okay, let me play that again just to make sure you got it. Got that? Did you you get that? Okay, all right. Here's the second sound you hear about five minutes later. Here it comes. Okay, I'm going to play that for you again, just so you get it, like we did with the first one, all right? Here it is again. Okay, honest answers here. Here's the question. Here's the question. This is the second question. Which of these two sounds offended you more, the first one or the second one? Okay, All right, let's go back to our two questions. Let's go back to our quiz. It's time to grade our quizzes. 
Time to look over our work, okay? I'm guessing that you had problems with the cigar smoker and the belch and not the cell phone. Now, this isn't a call-in show, at least not yet, so I won't know that for sure. But you know what? I've been in a lot of restaurants. I've raised two sons. I've got six grandsons. So I've heard plenty of what we could call orifice noises, all right, including belches. And I know how folks respond to young boys in public. I mean, I get the cigar thing, especially in a non-smoking environment. But let's remind ourselves why it's non-smoking in the first place. You know, those laws were passed way before we knew about secondhand smoke. They were passed because non-smokers said it was wrong that someone else's personal choice should become a consequence for everyone else around them. I get that. You get that. But why would you be offended by a belch in a restaurant? I mean, it's a place where people go, right? And they pay money for the very things that produce belches. And how is it that you would not be offended by someone's cell phone going off while you were eating? It's a noise connected to a device used for private communication. You know, we've actually come to believe that you should belch in private, but let your phone ring off the counter in public. I mean, what's happened to us as a human race? All right. Now, I'm doing this episode to help us step back just a bit and to try to think about some big picture ideas regarding shalom and our phones and how and when and where we use them. Beloved, shalom can't thrive. Maybe it even can't exist where there's chaos and noise. I'm going to say that again. Shalom can't thrive where there's chaos and noise. I mean, you know, even... God spoke to Elijah in a still, small voice. He didn't talk to him out of the whirlwind, the earthquake, or the fire, right? And in the Psalms, God tells us, be still and know that I am God. You know, it makes me wonder, if we're not still, can we truly know that he's God? You know, Jesus told the Sea of Galilee to be still. I mean, the original verb actually means quiet yourself. You know, it doesn't take much effort to recognize the loss of shalom and racism, sex trafficking, poverty, environmental decay, and all the stuff that hits the news every single day. That's in our face because it's in the news, all right? But I really, I fear that we've become oblivious to the silent, subtle ways shalom is extruded from our lives in small ways every day. And even more importantly, I'm going to say this slowly, I've come to realize that the majority of us have no idea of our own contributions to Shalom's slow extinction as a result of the small amounts of noise and chaos we introduce into the world around us on a daily basis. And because mobile technology has veritably become like the air we breathe, we fail to think about boundaries. We fail to think about etiquette and self-control in this whole arena. You know, a cell phone going off in a restaurant doesn't bother us as much as cigar smoke and belches. You might be saying, right, no, yeah, yeah, but tobacco can kill you. True, that's true, all right? But the jury's not even remotely in on what's happening to us as a result of the gadgets hanging out of our pockets and purses wrapped around our wrist and stuck to our heads. And you know what? Then there's different degrees for the meaning for the word kill as well. Okay, back to the big picture. First things first. All right, there used to be a thing we could call, for a better lack of a better phrase, we could call location-specific behavior. Location-specific behavior. We just intuitively knew it. 
We may have learned it, but I think it was part of our societal kind of common sense. You know, belching at a funeral or wedding, for example. Most everyone knows that it's not a good way to honor the dead or the wed. There's no signs in churches saying do not belch, you know, because we still have something of an intuitive civility left in our corporate consciousness. Yet it's almost expected that cell phones are going to go off in situations that in fact dishonor the living and the dead. You know, I'm a fan for bringing location-specific behavior back from exile. It shows both maturity and virtue, really, on the part of the one expressing it. There's a thing called deference. Deference. What is it? It's the willingness to lay aside personal freedoms for the sake of others. It's a sign of altruism. It's actually a form of altruism and a sign of maturity. You know, I can love you well by limiting my own choices sometimes. Have you, have you ever thought about this? I mean, do you walk into every environment dressed the same? I mean, what would you think if someone showed up at your daughter's wedding in a Speedo? Now you're thinking, that would never happen. Well, why wouldn't it happen? Well, because everyone knows that you just don't wear a Speedo to a wedding. I mean, some of you would argue that you shouldn't wear a Speedo anywhere, but that's another episode, all right? But why don't we ask questions at all like this when it comes to our smartphones? I mean, how often do you ask yourself, should I bring my phone? Truth is, we never ask that question. Of course we'll bring our phone. I mean, asking that question is like asking, should I bring my earlobes? I mean, a phone is pretty close to becoming classified as a body part. I'm really expecting it to be in human anatomy textbooks probably in the next edition. All right. So for starters, how about you begin including your smartphone in the circle of things in your wardrobe that fall under location-specific guidelines? It's not that hard. In fact, it will become intuitive if you start doing it and do it enough times. I mean, this doesn't this make sense? I mean, let me give you a few examples of when to leave it off your wardrobe list. You know, I first of all, I mean, I'd say don't wear your smartphone when you're when you're on a boat, right? Unless you've got an inflatable raft app on it or something, right? Leave it in the car when you're at a funeral, a wedding, a baptism, a bar mitzvah. Trust me, if God wants to get a hold of you, well, well, let's just say it's doubtful he'll need a smartphone, all right? Plus, there's at least one person at the funeral who won't be calling you that day. Matter of fact, they won't be calling you anymore. You might even use the funeral itself as a motivator to spend some real face-to-face time with others who come to mind before you find yourself at their funeral or they find themselves at yours, all right? Leave your phone off your wardrobe list when you're invited to someone's home for dinner or to go out to eat with friends. I mean, keep your phone off the table completely, really. A private gathering becomes a public affair when each of us brings our entire contact list with us for dinner. And we're all on call for everyone that's on that list. I mean, here's a suggestion. Treat your phone like a piece of apparel and then ask yourself if it goes with this engagement, just like you would ask yourself whether something goes with this outfit. Leaving home, listen, I know this. Some of you are probably having a nervous breakdown listening to this. I know that leaving home without your phone is, is make, make you feel like you're naked. All right? I have to tell you though, leaving home without your phone is not the same as walking outside naked. You might feel that way, but it's not the same. Trust me, if you don't believe me, just walk outside naked after you get home tonight and I promise you, your skepticism will immediately be put to bed. All right, let's keep moving deeper into the weeds now that we're well, well off the road. Hang in there, honestly, trust me. We're gonna circle back around and get back on the road to Shalom again, but first we gotta go a little deeper off the road. Another Shalom assassin hiding in plain sight is ringtones. I mean, yes, those cute little options we have to personalize what we've already accessorized 
that has become metastasized, all right? Let me show you what I mean. Now, you might find this ringtone here perfectly fits someone in your life. You know, we assign ringtones sometimes to punish people that we don't like or to create endearment for people we do. All right, let me play that one for you again. Now, I have to tell you this. One of my board members actually had this ringtone, and it went off during a board meeting while I was talking about a conference I had just done on technology and personhood. I am not kidding. Now, those of you out there who are young, you need to understand something that people my age who grew up with Rod Serling and the original Twilight Zone will experience PTSD. Some of them will when your phone goes off because that that theme song from that show used to keep us up at night. All right. So I'd say just real simple, you know, compassionate, merciful suggestion. If you've got that ringtone on your phone, take it off. I mean, just get rid of it. All right. Okay. How about this ringtone? Listen to this one. I mean, what the heck do you do when that goes off in a room, all right? That noise used to be associated with an imminent attack of some kind. I mean, let me ask you this. Did you know that an adrenaline rush can stay in your bloodstream for an hour? And just to clarify, adrenaline is not a hormone of shalom. Or how about, what about this one? Let me let me just play this 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 tone for you here. Listen to this one. Scooby-dooby-doo. <laughs> Scooby-dooby-doo. <laughs> okay. I was on a recent flight, all right, and a guy my age had this one as his text tone. And while we were waiting for takeoff, he got at least 20 texts within a five-minute window accompanied by this tone. Scooby-dooby-doo. <laughs> Scooby-dooby-doo. <laughs> Each time his phone went off, this was what was playing in the background, you know. I started praying that our plane would be hijacked. It was like a form of digital waterboarding. I mean, I could have been at Guantanamo for crying out loud. Seriously, I was losing my mind. And him, well, he thought it was cute. And he looked around for approval. I mean, come on. Let's show some deference to others here. We don't all have to be rock stars or DJs with our smartphones. My suggestion, here it is. Here it is. Free of charge. Short ringtones. Subtle noises. Low volume. And... If you have no intention of answering the phone, silence the call. But that assumes that you're familiar with where the buttons are on your phone and what they each do. You know, I have to tell you this. I'm pushing 70, and it's people my age that seem to have taken the same approach to their smartphones that they have with their pets. They have no control over them. They don't really understand how they work, and they always want to have them with them. You know, I start to think that when stores sell smartphones to seniors, maybe they should make us have to take an exam of some kind, you know, just like learning to drive all over again. We should be required to prove that we know where all the buttons are and what they all do. Trust me, for real. All right, I'm just saying. Okay. Are we having fun yet? Are you having fun? Okay, let's move into the world of travel and public spaces. Have you ever been at an airport and you're just trying to carry on a conversation with the person next to you when this happens? It's disrupt, and it's disrupting, right? And it's actually pretty confusing. You don't know whether to wait until it's over, talk louder, stop and listen, because it may, who knows, it may contain information for a gate change in your, in, for your, your flight. In any case, it throws your brain into air traffic control mode for a minute. And you know what? So does using your speakerphone option in public. 
You know, it's bad enough that people on smartphones in public spaces have absolutely no idea how loud they're talking. Then you mix in the speakerphone option, and now we have to listen to both sides of a conversation that has nothing to do with anyone in the room. It's like being transported to an airport terminal while you're sitting in a doctor's office waiting room. I mean, what would you think if you were listening to NPR one morning when all of a sudden Joshua Johnson, the, the host of the 1A, started talking specifically to his mother during one of the shows about what she wanted to do when she visited him? Rule of thumb here. No one in the room ever wants to listen to both sides of any conversation you and I are having any more than they want to step up and help you enjoy your Gurkha Black Dragon cigar in that room. Take the party outside. If you think you'll miss your appointment, if you're in a doctor's waiting room, I have a suggestion. Tell that to the person on the phone and call them back. Or, and this is pretty retro, but you could ask someone in the waiting room who's not on their phone, if you can find one, if they'd poke their head in the hallway when your name is called. Real people helping real people in real time. That's a radical idea. All right, what else could there possibly be? Well, let me introduce you to a tiny bit of neurobiology, then we'll talk about that. You know, our brains are linear processors. That means that they can only do one thing at a time. I know you disagree with that, but that's okay. This is America. You have total freedom to be wrong. Oh, they do it fast. They do one thing at a time fast, but one thing at a time. That means when you think you're multitasking, you're really only monotasking back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. All right. That's a whole nother episode, I suppose. But when it comes to brain focus, the same is true with light. Our brains, when confronted with multiple light sources, are feverishly working to acknowledge and evaluate each light source as to its importance. Let me give you a helpful example, and you can relate to this. You can actually do this today, all right? When you're driving at night, if you want to give your eyes and brain some love, turn your dash lights down as low as you can and still see them you're going to immediately feel a physical sense of relief. I'm not joking. You'll feel it. Why? Because unbeknownst to you, your brain has been switching back and forth and back and forth and back and forth from the dash lights to your headlights on the road, constantly having to evaluate which is more important. Dimming the dash takes the work off the table for your brain. All right. Now, this has enormous applications for smartphones. Your screen is not only a source of light, it's a source that you have conditioned your brain to pay very close attention to. You have. So when someone else's phone lights up, your well-trained and obedient visual cortex of your brain goes into hyperdrive. That means that a smartphone screen itself can be as much a source of confusion as communication, especially if it's not your phone. A smartphone screen that suddenly turns on in a movie theater is annoying, for sure. We all get that, all right? But a screen waking up on a table is also an invasive act, or in church for that matter. It's neurologically impossible to focus your mind in a listening environment if a screen lights up within your visual world, all right? Let me just play this little clip from Sherry Turkle talking about this very thing. It's very typical that when two people are having lunch, they put a phone on the table between them. And all the research shows that the presence of that phone will do two things to the conversation. It will make the conversation go to trivial matters, and it will decrease the amount of empathy that the two people in the conversation feel toward each other. That phone is a signal that either of us can put our attention 
elsewhere. You know, along these lines, I am simultaneously amazed and not amazed when I hear from my wife how many people walk into the yoga studio with a blue face from their phone and regather that same face as soon as the practice ends. In a place that has the potential of being the most intentionally mindful experience of their week, these yoga practitioners not only don't realize that there's more to yoga than the pants, they also are destroying shalom in an environment designed to restore it for everyone near them. Rule of thumb, unless it's an emergency, the darker the environment, the more scarce the smartphone. And let me also throw in this out at this point. You know, some modern research is linking an increase in macular degeneration, which is the leading cause of blindness in the U.S. to the elderly, but they're connecting it to the blue light emitted from our screen. There's a unique molecular change that the light causes that seems to accelerate this disease. You know, this used to be a disease completely associated with people as they got older, but not anymore. We may end up with a generation that has mastered Fortnite but can't see to drive a car. Something to think about no matter what your age is. All right, but back to the main thing. It's shalomic, beloved. It's shalomic to think of others, to be mindful of others, to be the bearers of stillness, harmony, and conversation. These are just a couple of the ways we poison shalom with our smartphones, even without knowing it. You know, this episode wasn't written to produce guilt. I'm not that, I'm not that guy. I took the time to write this out, to study this, to talk with you about this because you're on the road to shalom. You're listening, right? Because you're looking, right? Well, sometimes while we're looking, we can also keep others from finding. Sometimes while we're looking, we can keep others from finding shalom. I mean, that's all. All right. And, and one final point here, just to be clear. Everything we've talked about here in this entire episode has nothing to do with being legalistic, but it has everything, everything to do with being shalomic. Jesus said, blessed are the shalom makers, the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. You know, once you begin to see yourself as a shalom maker, then you start trying to bring shalomic quiet and harmony into every situation you step into, especially ones where it's already vandalized or gone. Shalomic restorers are all about being zeros. And being a zero is not being a nothing. Being a zero is being a something to someone besides ourselves. Because zero is the one number that has no value of its own, but it changes the value of every number it gets close to. Now, this may sound real simple and practical, but beloved, it's really deeply spiritual. I'm, I'm dead serious here. You can help others find the road to shalom by what you don't do with your phone. Okay, we've spent four episodes on this stuff, technology, spirituality, time to change gears, all right? Next week, I'm going to lay a foundation. We're going to explore the reason Christians have historically had a difficult time understanding the inseparable relationship between what we profess and what we confess, between what we say and how we live, between doing good and doing nothing. Let me ask you, do you know the difference between a living faith that has died and a dead faith that's living? We'll come back next week. We're going to get an answer to that because we're diving into the swamp of faith, grace, and good works. I'll see you then.